Chapter 9, Every Heroine Has Her Day I think we were played, I said, shaking my head slowly. I took a long swig of my coffee, extra black. I can't stand all the sweet crap that Bubbles adds to her coffee, it makes it taste like a unicorn and a rainbow puked into her mug. Once I tried a sip of hers, and it was so sweet I thought it was going to burn a hole into my esophagus or something. Now that I had my coffee I was feeling much better, less like I wanted to punch someone. I had heard before somewhere that caffeine stunts growth, but that was for humans anyway. And hell, I was already 5 feet 4 inches and a half at age 16, so I figured, screw it. I glanced back and forth between my two sisters. Blossom hadn't stopped rubbing her head for minutes, something she does when she's thinking really hard, and it looked like soon she might start pulling out her hair. She looked just as confused as I felt. Then I switched my gaze to Bubbles. I apologized to her only ten minutes earlier, now that I had my coffee. She had finally stopped sobbing, but trails of black makeup ran down her face as evidence of her meltdown. Her eyes were slightly puffy now, and her face was still unsettled. We had all told each other everything. Every detail, nothing was left out. After all was said, it had left us all completely speechless. I, Blossom spoke up for the first time since sharing her part. I wouldn't say, played. I mean, by the sounds of it, the boys had no idea that either of their brothers were planning to do the same thing. I mean, they all had legitimate reasons, and they were all completely different from one another. And by the way you guys described it, and by the way I, um, experienced it, the feelings felt genuine as well. I nodded, swallowing more of the steaming hot beverage. She made sense, because by the way things happened last night, things definitely felt real. I sighed, the pictures of it flowing back to me. That morning when I woke up, I had thought it was all a dream. As cliché as the phrase is, it really was like it was all too good to be true. I swallowed hard, running my hand down to my collarbone hidden under the collar of my baggy Motley Crue pajama shirt. I rubbed the tender, bruised skin gently, blood pounding in my ears just thinking about the mark. I kept my hand there, my fingers starting to tremble. I mentally cursed myself for being so weak, but my heart began to race faster, thinking about the last thing he had said to me last night. Flashback, the night before, 12.57am. We stood on the rooftop of my house, his arms wrapped around me tightly. We swayed back and forth slowly, like we were dancing to our own, non-existent music. My small frame pressed against his towering 6 feet 3 inches 1, and my heartbeat matched the erratic beat of his. We had been standing like this for a good while now, I mean, not that I minded. Still though, I wondered why during this entire night he had drawn our moments like this out for so long. After all, it wasn't like this would be the last time we were going to see each other. Things were just getting started between us, and we would have countless more nights like this. That was what I thought, anyway. After a few more minutes, I reluctantly spoke up. Butch. My voice was almost inaudible, probably because I didn't want to leave. But I knew eventually I would have to, or else the professor would send out a search party for me. Yeah. His voice had the same low volume, his grasp tightening around me the slightest bit. I sighed. He wasn't making this any easier for me. 
You know we can't get caught like this, right? I said. I felt his muscles tense up a little at this. For a moment, we just stood there in silence. Neither of us, as cheesy as it sounded, wanted this night to end. But if anyone saw us together, the consequences would have been huge. Nothing would be the same ever again, and neither of us were ready for that. He slowly let his arms fall back to his sides again, his hands sliding down my shoulders, down my waist and then slid down to my hips. Goosebumps rose where his skin brushed my skin, sending chills through my body. His jaw clenched as he chewed on the inside of his cheek, a nervous habit that he'd always had, and his eyes locked with mine. His eyes were clouded over, not with anger, but with some other emotion. He didn't say anything, but it looked like he wanted to. It also looked like he was holding something back from me, which I kind of understood. After all, I would be more than a little suspicious if he'd completely opened up to me in one day. Then, he leaned downward and tilted his mouth over mine, and my emotions took over, just the way they did when he did earlier. The kiss was good, of course, but also in a way, desperate. He brought his hands up to my shoulders again, grasping them like it was for dear life. The kiss lasted for longer than I thought it would, and eventually we had to break for air. Afterwards, he clenched his eyes shut in an almost pained matter and leaned his forehead against the crook of my neck. I didn't understand why he was acting so dramatic, like the apocalypse was happening tomorrow. In a sense, though, it was. I would understand that, though, in due time. Buttercup, he broke the silence, and when he paused, he swallowed so hard, I could feel it. I'll, miss you. I couldn't help but smile a little as I let out a small, exasperated sigh. That was it. I thought. That whole act, just because he's going to miss me. I shook my head slowly. I'll miss you too, Butch. But, hey. We'll see each other soon though, right? No big deal. Silence. Is something wrong? He shifted, his head leaving the warmth of my neck. He looked down at me, and this time his eyes were even darker with mystery. Without warning, he let go of my shoulders and began to walk away. Stunned by this sudden change of mood, I followed him. Butch, hey. Butch. What did I say? He stopped and looked down at me from over his shoulder. He didn't reply immediately, and for a moment it actually looked like he was annoyed. Finally, he took a deep breath and let it out with a small huff. I need to go, Buttercup. My shoulders slumped a little. Right. Yeah, of course. I watched the ground, because I could feel his eyes staring into the side of my face like two headlights. I didn't want him to think I was dependent on him. There was no way in hell that I was. I was still Buttercup Utonium dammit, boy or no boy. At first, I thought he was just going to fly away without another word, but then again I was wrong. Promise me something, he said. I looked back up at him. He looked as serious as he had earlier that night when he told me how he felt about me. Okay, was my half-assed reply, because I wasn't sure if I really wanted to offer him any promises, whatever it was. He came closer to me, closing the distance of two feet between us. He took my chin and moved it upward so that I locked eyes with him. 
That gaze of his was still clouded, like a green barrier between us. Promise me you'll always remember what I said to you tonight. Damn it. When I see you, or when I hear your voice or, hell, even just hearing your name, I just, I just, want to jump off of a cliff without flying, just to see if the rush even compares to what I feel when I see you. You make me want to scream at the top of my lungs about you until my throat is raw, until the whole world knows. Every time I make you bleed, I want to shove a knife through my heart so I can't hurt you anymore. When you look at me, or even when you're insulting me and screaming at me, my heart speeds up, and I can't slow it down. My heart beat faster, and I started to feel vulnerable again. After I still hadn't replied, he tried again, wholly taking my face between his hands. Promise me, buttercup. His voice broke when he said this. His jaw clenched again, though not in anger, and his brow furrowed intensely. I stared into his eyes, stunned silent by his sudden grave seriousness, and nodded. Then, just as quickly as he had moved before, he let go of my face, spun on his heel and sped away in a flash of dark green. He was gone. I watched where his figure faded into the dark night sky, half expecting him to come back. My eyes turned downwards, and I brought my hand up to my face where he had touched it. The skin was still warm from his presence. I gulped hard, my throat still dry afterwards. I promise, I said to no one. End flashback. That was the one thing that I actually didn't tell my sisters. I wasn't sure why I kept it from them. I hardly keep anything from them, and when I do, since we're so close, they usually find out anyway. So why didn't I tell them this one little detail? Was it because I was afraid of them finding out that it turned out I had a freaking huge weakness, and that weakness just happened to be a rowdy rough boy? Maybe. If they found out how weak he made me feel, who's to know if the whole world wouldn't find out too? How differently would the entire world look at me? And would I really want that? So anyway, Blossom's voice continued, and it jolted me out of my thoughts. We just need to remember that they are still the rowdy rough boys. Despite their stupid, everyday habits that regular guys also have, these are villains we're talking about. By now, for all we know, they could have achieved a genius master plan to take over the world. Of course, we would find some way to stop them before they could, but we should know better than anybody what they're capable of. I tensed up at the truth of her words. I had completely overlooked that thought before. They've been evil for so long, who knows if they're truly capable of anything else besides evil. Blossom stopped once her voice broke, and when I looked over at her, I was shocked to see tears in her eyes. Why is she crying? I thought, frowning. Hey, boss. I trailed off. Blossom. Bubbles said quietly, reaching out to rub her back in a comforting way. What's WR- I'm sorry, guys, Blossom spoke up again, wiping the back of her hand under her eyes. Excuse me. I, um, I need to go take a walk. My blonde sister and I watched with concerned expressions as she threw her hair in a high ponytail, put on sweats and walked out the door without another word. I tried to think of any reason why she might be so upset, and then I realized that I might have not been the only one to keep something to myself. I tugged on the ends of my long ponytail, trudging along the sidewalk and getting deeply lost in my thoughts. 
Since I almost always fly everywhere, I like to take long walks to help me think clearer. I let go of my ponytail momentarily, rearranging the waistband on my pink Victoria's secret mid-length sweatpants. Reaching up to rub my face, I belatedly realized I had left the house without putting on makeup. Crap, I thought. Oh well. I'll just wear my sunglasses. I dug into my pocket, only to find that I didn't have my sunglasses with me. I heaved a heavy sigh, grinding my teeth together. Son of a bitch. It's okay, I swore my conscience was laughing at me. Let's just hope nobody that knows you will see you. I rolled my eyes. Sure, okay. That only narrowed it down to nobody in this whole city. I sighed again, and decided to shorten my route to the park. As I walked, there were sharp pains surging through my feet. It must have been from the night before, when I had run from brick in my heeled boots. I usually don't run often, especially in heels, so now my poor feet were screaming at me for it. Then, almost freezing in place I realized that another thought of brick had easily invaded my mind. The night before, I could hardly fall asleep. It was any wonder I could fall asleep at all. His voice was ringing in my mind all night. I didn't admit it to my sisters, but everything he'd said affected me deeply. I was tossing and turning all night, feeling feverish and strangely, happy. But as I was. Lecturing my sisters, I realized I need to take my own words to heart as well. Somehow by the end of last night, I had forgotten our whole past with the rowdy rough boys. Their vicious, nasty, evil selves couldn't possibly be erased in one night. There had to be something else going on. But Blossom, isn't that what you've always wanted? My conscience chimed in once again. Someone to hold you and tell you how much you mean to them. Someone that treats you like a prize. Most of all, don't you want him to be the one doing it? I didn't know how to answer that, so I just frowned and pressed my lips together. I decided to put all my pondering on hold, and glancing around, I noticed that I had arrived at the park. There were a few toddler-aged kids swinging, their parents sitting on benches, but other than that, not a lot of people were there. For the most part, it didn't look like they were aware I was even there. Relieved, I took a seat on one of the empty benches, bringing my thigh-length ponytail in front of me so I wouldn't accidentally sit on it. I have been doing that a lot lately. My hair grows like crazy, sometimes faster than a human's hair, I've noticed, and I would probably have to get a haircut soon. I cupped my chin, resting my elbows on my knees. Resuming my train of thought again, I sighed. There was one thing for sure that I came upon understanding last night. I didn't know why exactly, but somewhere deep inside of me, it just made sense. I really had feelings for Brick. Brick Jojo, the son of Mojo Jojo, leader of the Rowdy Rough Boys. Whether it was attraction, a crush, whatever it was, it was there. And it had always been there, stewing beneath the surface, even though I never acknowledged it. And the worst part was that I couldn't do anything about it. Jerking me out of my thoughts again, a snooty, all-too-familiar voice tore me from my thoughts. Well, who do we have here? Grudgingly, I looked to the source of the voice, and found Princess standing before me in all her pretentious, stuck-up, glory. Not to mention clad in a super-mini jean skirt and violet tube top, 
her curly hair thickly surrounding her much like her thickly suffocating presence. Has this girl ever worn regular jeans in her life? I thought dryly. What do you want, princess? I said it half-heartedly, because in all honesty I couldn't give a care in the world for why she was there. I wasn't in the mood for sharp banter, however. She shook her head slowly. Honestly, Bloss, the least you could do is make yourself look at least a little presentable if you're going to leave the house. My mouth twitched. Well, I couldn't say she was wrong. Well, you know what? I really don't care right now. And I didn't. I had too much on my mind at that moment. She scoffed, rolling her eyes hugely. You don't care about how you look. She laughed in a mocking way. And people say I'm full of shit. I felt a heavy glare on my face, and in the back of my mind I kind of wished that my laser vision would accidentally go off. Honestly though, this girl was really asking for it. Yeah, she had said much worse to me before, but being emotionally unstable as I was that day, she was pushing her luck. Princess. I glared at her still. I think you should leave now. What, she had an exaggerated look of shock on her face. You would hurt me, an innocent citizen, with little children watching. Caught off guard, my eyes widened. I had forgotten all about the kids. Turning to glance over at them, they had stopped swinging, staring at us both with big eyes. They had probably overheard the whole thing. I slowly turned back to the spoiled head cheerleader of my school, my eyebrows furrowing. Come on, princess. Would you give it a rest? I leaned back on the bench. I'm having a bad day. Just leave me alone for once, okay? Can't you do that? Begging had been a mistake. A mischievous glint in her eyes, she turned it up even more. Oh, whatever do you mean? What did I do to you, Blossom? She said this loud enough for everyone, from the passers-by to the kids, to hear. I'm such a big fan. I didn't mean to offend you, I just asked for an autograph. I gaped in disbelief. Anger was starting to flare up inside of me. I stood up, and Princess gasped, starting to back away. People around us started to stir. I knew I was getting too angry, I knew I should have walked away, but my temper was numbing me to the stairs and I couldn't stop myself from yelling. Stop. I got in her face, my face inches away from hers. I could feel my face flushed with my rage. For God's sake, just stop it. Get the hell out of here and leave me alone. I felt better now that I had let my anger out. That is, until I saw the smug look in Princess's eyes. I had walked right into her bear trap. She continued, feeding off of my angry response like a pro. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Oh, please, Powerpuff Girl. Please don't hurt me. Ah. Princess screamed, throwing her hands up to protect her face. By now, bystanders had stopped, some pointing and whispering. Others just stood, frozen and staring at me like I was a wild animal. The parents that were there with their children rushed to pull them far away from me. Hey, she's gonna hurt that girl. I heard a man shout. I looked around and across the street and saw Townsville paparazzi driving up in their cars, rushing towards us with their cameras. 
there were at least three news cameras. My stomach sank. Frustration and helplessness took over me. My hands shook, and the back of my throat started to sting. I looked over at the princess, willing her to stop with a pleading gaze. Princess, princess, please. My eyebrows furrowed deeper. The paparazzo's cameras started to flash non-stop at this. Ah! Please, someone, protect me. Some men in uniforms, security guards, or cops. When did the police get here, ushered her away quickly, and for a split second, she looked over her shoulder at me, a smirk on her face from ear to ear. The crowd of cameras, TV reporters and microphones swallowed me whole like a sea monster. Blossom, tell us. Are you a villain now? Were you going to hurt that innocent girl? What was that girl's name? Do you do drugs? Do you still expect to be a role model for young girls after this incident? Reporters roughly shoved into me, microphones and camera lenses the only thing I could see. With every question that blared in my ears, fear filled me more and more. Tears threatened to spill out of my eyes, and reluctantly I let them escape. I tried to push past them and covered my face with my hands, not allowing those leeches with cameras to see my tears any longer, and I lifted from the ground and sped off into the air. Suddenly, being in the arms of Brick Jojo didn't seem so terrifying. I swiveled back and forth in my comfortable roller chair, staring ahead at the dark wall. Bringing my clasped hands to run across my chin, a sneer graced my face. Suddenly, I turned completely around, and found myself looking at the three brothers named the Rowdy Rough Boys. They watched me as well, each with an expectant, sullen expression. I waited a moment before I spoke. Has the deed been done? Strangely enough, as soon as I said this, all three dropped their eyes from me. My eyes grew, anticipating their response. I hoped it wasn't what I feared. Well. I leaned forward, my lips curling downward. The redhead folded his arms, his head downcast. No. Anger overwhelmed me. I stood, my fist slamming into my metallic desk. What? I snarled, my voice echoing throughout the almost empty room. The boys seemed like they expected this reaction, since none of them even flinched. How difficult was this plan? Are you all morons? When I say to go get rid of the Powerpuff Girls once and for all, I mean once and for all. Does that mean anything to you idiots? They continued to watch the floor in silence. I slowly sat back down, leaning back into my chair. Well, then, I continued, clearing my throat. At least tell me that they're injured in some way. Did you put some fear in them? Make them anticipate the worst the next time you meet. More silence. And just when I thought I couldn't get any angrier. Fuck. Did you do anything to them? At all? The one with black hair spoke this time, not looking me in the eye. May have. What's it to you? My eyes narrowed even further. I stared at them coldly. I don't think you understand, boys. I stood again, clawing at the desk. Strips of metal rose from the surface and curled underneath my fingers. You belong to me. You are my objects. I am your master. And when I say something, then you do it. No questions asked, no hesitation.
No negotiations. Got it? They stared at me, their eyes emotionless and shadowed. The blonde-haired boy looked away first, his eyebrows furrowed. I squinted at him. I sensed weakness in him. I didn't like it. Well, we didn't, the redhead said again. So, what now? I sat in my seat once more, my lips pursed together in both suspicion and more bottled-up anger. I was beginning to get impatient. In how many more ways would they continue to disappoint me? I plucked the strips of metal from the desk, toying with them between my fingers in deep thought. After a while, I spoke. Now, I paused, my smirk returning. We move on to Plan B. Chapter 10, Dead Inside I was sitting on our large living room sofa, my hands covering my swollen eyes. Tears were still pouring down my face, and my sobs filled the room. My sisters sat on either side of me, bubbles rubbing my back, trying to soothe me. Professor stood behind the couch, his foot tapping angrily against the carpet while his eyes were fixated on the current national news hot scoop me. CNN newscasters' voices could be heard low in the background. Blossom, Buttercup said to me, tightly gripping my knee that was nearest to her also soothing, in her own way. Stop crying. It's been hours now. Removing my hands, I sat up and looked at her, shaking my head. You don't understand. Is it your face up there, Buttercup? Are they saying those awful things about you? No. Just me. I've never been this embarrassed in my entire life. I paused, shoving loose hair behind my ears and sniffing loudly. Not just embarrassed, but, ruined. Half the city hates me now. I can never leave the house again. The last time something like this happened, it happened to all three of us. Now it's just me. Why is this happening to Dash? Mid-sentence I glanced at the TV, and at that very moment, those damn newscasters had plastered on screen the most unflattering picture of me I had ever seen in my entire 16 years of life. It almost looked like a mugshot of a celebrity getting arrested for a DUI. I burst out into another round of sobs with an appalled wail of, oh my good. At the same time, Bubbles cried, those animals. Buttercup just made a sound of indignation. My blue-eyed sister hugged me tighter and leaned her head down onto my hunched shoulder, as if she could comfort me with the level of her proximity, or something. Professor leaned over the back of the couch, wrapping his arms around me and Bubbles. I'm so sorry, Blossom Honey. His tone was drenched in sympathy. I don't know if you want to hear this right now, but you know, I can remember another time when you thought you'd never go out in public again. Putting my sobs on hold, I glanced up at him with an expectant, bleary stare. What? Oh, you don't remember. He smiled slightly and straightened his glasses. I seem to recall that time when you got a, um, haircut, from your sisters. He made air quotes with his fingers. A haircut? My sisters had never given me, oh wait. Click. Oh, that's right. It was back when we were five. For a moment I forgot about my despair. Beside me, Bubbles sat up and covered her giggles with her hand. I glared at her. I can't believe you're still laughing about it. Bee but Bee Blossom. 
Bubbles stuttered out between breaths. She was now laughing so hard that her entire face was red. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I turned my glare to Buttercup as she tried to disguise laughs with coughs. Yeah, well, it was humiliating. It was the worst day of my life. I took a long pause as I glanced at the TV, where images of me with my hand over my face were splattered everywhere. Except for today. Slowly, my glare faded, and new thoughts invaded my mind. Thoughts that annoyed me because they shouldn't have even mattered. What if Brick sees those news reports? What if it changes his opinion about me? And the one that disturbed me the most, will he still have feelings for me? I felt the blood drain from my face. After seeing me like that, would he change his mind about what he said? What if he believed them? What if he thought I was crazy? Blossom, Professor broke through my thoughts. Did you hear me? I cleared my throat. No, sorry. I said, barely above a whisper. Come again. His mouth formed a serious line. Blossom, you are much too hard on yourself. This is all because of Princess, remember? This wasn't your fault. You need to stop blaming yourself for everything. I took a glimpse at my sister's solemn faces, and they nodded their heads in agreement. But I can't help it. My words were high-pitched. I was on the verge of tears again. That's just the way I am. We understand that, Professor continued, but you're making yourself miserable over it. Look at yourself. My shoulders drooped. Well, I was pretty miserable. Bubbles cut in, and you keep forgetting one important detail. Bloss, Bubbles paused. I looked up at her, then she smiled warmly and said, You have us. No matter what happens. Slowly, I returned the smile. That's why I love my sisters so much. I could do anything to betray them, which I have before, anything to make them furious with me, which I've done too many times to count, and they wouldn't think of me any differently. They would still love me and support me. I felt a momentary overwhelming wave of gratefulness wash over me, but almost immediately afterward, the thoughts from before shattered my momentary happiness. Sure, he had said he loved me. But that could change in a second if he saw what these people on the news thought of me like I was some sort of monster. I suddenly wished my conscience was there to bug me again. I watched the TV in complete shock. I flipped through every news station in the country, and every time I clicked to the next channel, the shock and unease grew. I shook my head. Ah, Bloss. Her pretty face was all over those damn news stations. Headlines like, Powerpuff finally loses it, and, Blossom attacks innocent fans, flashed across the screen. I watched as one channel showed a clip of her pushing through the crowd of the parasitic media surrounding her. She looked beyond frustrated, so small, asking them to move as tears flowed down her face. At the sight of her tears, rage flared up inside of me. Those bastards, I shouted, almost ripping the remote between my hands in half. I continued to listen to the reporter's voice. Eyewitnesses say that when an innocent teenage fan approached her, simply asking her for an autograph, the superheroine began to shout at her and threaten her. We interviewed this fan earlier today, let's take a look. 
the screen quickly switched to a clip of the interview that took place. As soon as I saw the girls' faces, my face twisted with anger. Princess, that bitch. Of course it was her. I should have known. Yes, she did attack me. Princess said, her high-pitched, whiny voice irritating me even over the television. I was scared for my life. After she said this, she turned dramatically towards the camera. She made an overdone Home Alone-like expression, and then proceeded to flip her thick red hair. I've never been so scared in my life. I thought I was going to die. I don't know if I can go on. The newswoman shook her head in sympathy, her brow furrowed. I shook my head as well, watching her. I couldn't believe that she had actually believed that crap. The woman turned towards the camera. Poor girl. You heard it here first. Behind her, Princess proceeded to wink and wave at the camera until the clip faded out, like the phony she was. I suddenly had a stronger, newfound disdain for that girl. I quickly changed the channel, and two more news reporters were having a conversation. Why, no, Rich, it seems like just yesterday that those Powerpuff girls were sweet, innocent little five-year-olds. You got that right, Gladys. I still remember the first time I met those girls, all cute and everything. Now they're all grown up. Exactly. And, now that they're grown up, should we still be able to trust them? I mean, as we saw today, even Powerpuff girls have a breaking point. What if it happens again? That's right, and how do we know that if it does happen again, that all of our lives won't be in danger? I clicked the television off immediately, and then turned to throw the remote control out of the window. I paused, thinking of how pissed the monkey would be if I destroyed another remote. I threw it to the couch instead, the plastic battery flap flying off of the back. I gripped my face in my hands, rubbing my temples furiously. I took deep breaths in an attempt to control my anger, but it hardly helped. Such bullshit. I thought. Blossom would never do that. Maybe I would, but she wouldn't. What the hell is wrong with these people? Her name in my mind reminded me of something completely different. My fury died down suddenly, and it was replaced by guilt and a sort of sadness. The feeling brought some sort of numb pain to my stomach. I thought back to this afternoon. You know what we have to do now, boys. The mutant monkey had said, his lips parted to reveal blade sharp, gleaming teeth in a menacing, ugly smile. His words twisted my stomach again now. Yes, of course I knew. But I didn't want to think about it. I had been trying to avoid that thought since last night. I rested my chin in my hands, grimacing at the awful churning in my stomach. I didn't want to do it. In fact, I kept wondering why I did all of those things and said all of that to her last night in the first place. I knew I shouldn't have. Because if I hadn't, then I wouldn't have to do, this. I squeezed my eyes shut, already regretting it. But it wasn't just my fault, my brothers had done this too. It wasn't even planned out that way, but it happened. For all of us. I sighed aloud. I wondered if I had known about them doing it, if I would have stopped them. Probably not, I thought. They probably wouldn't have even listened to me. 
Conversely, if they had tried to stop me, I wouldn't have listened anyway. I lost control. Something drove me to let go last night. It was true. I let go completely. I said things to her that I never thought I would ever say to her. Things I'd always imagined saying, but never dared because I couldn't. And I still couldn't now, but it was too late. I already did. It is done now. Things would never be the same. I could practically feel myself holding her tightly in my arms again, her addicting scent nearly knocking me senseless. I longed to feel her silk-soft skin beneath my fingertips, watching as the blood flooded her cheeks when I touched her. I opened my eyes. The memories of the night before made my grief worse. Seeing that nobody else was in the room with me made the sting harsher, and I wished I hadn't opened my eyes again. This was why I shouldn't have let go last night. It would only make things from now on harder for the both of us. I shook my head. It had to be done. There wasn't anything I could do about it, it wasn't my choice, and I hated that. I lifted my eyes to the open window, my eyes catching on the long red ribbon on the windowsill. I watched the end of it flutter and sway in the quiet breeze, more memories from last night coming back. Is, is that what I think it is, Brick? This is the ribbon I took from you seven years ago. No, seriously. Why did you keep it this whole time? You don't even KN dash. I forced the last part from my mind, remembering what came after that. My stomach turned again, and I gulped hard. Suddenly, the wind picked up, and the ribbon started to slip outside towards town. I bolted towards it, reaching my hand towards it, and caught the end of it just in time. I huffed a heavy sigh of relief, gripping the crimson piece of fabric. I stared at it, stared real hard, my eyes following the faint traces of blood stains remaining on it. It was funny how much this small piece of fabric meant so much to me. It meant so much because it was hers. The reason why I had the scar on my head, the reason life actually meant something to me now. It symbolized that. I grimaced now, still staring at it. I squeezed my eyes shut, regretting the next few actions I was going to make. Not just in the next few seconds, but far beyond that as well. I stepped forward, my free hand gripping the window sill. I forced my occupied hand as far out into the city air as I could, my fingers aching to stay closed. I forced myself to watch as I opened my hand, dropping the ribbon into thin air. The ribbon fluttered further into the city as the wind picked up again. I watched it until I couldn't anymore. That night I lay awake in my bed, gripping the fuzzy pink comforter around me. I brought my knees up to my chest in a fetal position. I huffed out a heavy breath, as if it was hard to do so. My eyes flickered to the digital clock on the wall, and I found that it wasn't night at all. It was morning. 4.17 a.m. I hadn't been keeping track of time at all. I just lay there, thinking about the past awful 24 hours. The past 24 hours without him. That empty ache in my chest had gotten much worse, much more noticeable. The sight of him flying into the night sky was still fresh in my mind, and thinking about it made me cold again. I pulled my blankets closer around me. I shivered, but I wasn't sure if it was because I was cold, or if it was for another reason. I knew this couldn't be healthy. For pity's sake, 
it had only been a day. Before yesterday, I was ecstatic when I didn't see him for weeks at a time. I felt free. But now I feel drained. I didn't feel well, I felt sick. This day sucked on every level, and feeling like this wasn't helping me at all. I had school the next day, I should have been sleeping, but my thoughts were loud. Thoughts of last night would always be imprinted in my memory. They were words someone never forgot, even if they tried, for as long as they live. I sighed. I wanted this horrible feeling to end. I had to see him again, and soon. I closed my eyes, but sleep didn't come that night. Four months later. I heard footsteps outside my door. They woke me, but I forced my eyes to stay shut. I didn't feel the need to get out of bed. There was nothing better for me to do these days. The late August breeze came through my window, tousling the long fringe around my face. I flinched. The warm air was making me uncomfortably hot. I felt liquid run down my face, but I knew it wasn't sweat. They were in tears. I moved my hand incautiously to dab at the familiar fluid, ignoring the slight sting when I accidentally scratched my face. When I opened my eyes and then blinked, I wasn't surprised when more leaked out of the corners of my eyes. I had cried so much the past few months, it had lost its meaning long ago. I was surprised my tear ducts could still produce tears. I flinched as the wind picked up, the hot air nipping at my eyes. I decided it was time to get out of bed, so I brought my legs to the edge of the bed and stopped for a moment to stretch. It didn't feel good, my muscles were tightened and stiff. I stood up slowly, my head still swimming from the sudden change in blood flow. Shuffling my feet over the carpet, I arrived at my vanity. I stared at the girl in the mirror. She had long, flowing red hair, but it was tangled and looked unkempt. It fell past the boundaries of the mirror in tangled curls. She had bangs, but they looked like they were in the stage of being grown out, because they had grown long past the tip of her nose. Behind the long bangs, she had pale pink eyes, but they looked vacant. They were hazed over, and the whites of her eyes were slightly bloodshot. There was evidence of circles under her eyes, as a sign of lack of sleep. They were the kind of circles that one gets from not only one sleepless night, but many in a row. Her. Eyebrows had formed what it seemed was a permanent sad line, as if it was carved into her face. Her mouth formed a taut, thin line. I didn't recognize her at all. She didn't look happy. In fact, she looked tortured and heartbreakingly miserable. She looked dead inside. A quiet tap at my door silenced my thoughts, but I didn't tear my eyes away from the reflective surface. Blossom, the voice of my green-eyed sister came from under the crack of the door. Breakfast is in the kitchen, come if you're hungry. My mouth twitched humorlessly at the sarcasm in her tone. I hadn't been that hungry at all. I hardly ate that much anymore. Still eyeing the mirror, I poked at the faint tracings of my ribs straining against my skin. I knew that probably should have concerned me, but it didn't. I didn't care anymore. But I knew that I was probably worrying my family. I thought about it all the time, although no more than something else but I forced something else from my mind. After quite a time of mentally debating with myself, 
I finally decided to put on my pair of hot pink Aeropostale slippers and hesitantly scuffle down the stairs. I could hear the clinging of dishes and murmuring voices from the upstairs hall, and when I appeared at the kitchen doorway, the noises immediately stopped. My two sisters and my father stared at me with rattled expressions. As if I was the ghost of Christmas past, or something. Finally, my blonde sister broke the silence first. Blossom. Oh my god. The volume of her voice rose with her exclamation. She flew at me, her arms open. Wide. She embraced me tightly and warmly, like she hadn't seen me in a long time. Which, in a way, she kind of hadn't. You're here. I've always been here, I muttered, surprised that my voice came out in a croak. This earned me another stunned look from my family, even Bubbles pulled back from the embrace momentarily to stare at me. All of the staring was starting to bother me. I twisted my face into an expression that I thought could possibly be annoying. What? I croaked again. We really were worried about you, honey. Professor said, swallowing the last bit of pancake he had chewed. We're very glad to see you. This is a surprise. I didn't know how to reply, so I just nodded. I swallowed more syrup-drenched pancakes without tasting it, just eating for the sake of eating. There was a brief silence, and the sound of forks and knives scraping against plates echoed in the room. Bubbles turned to face me, her eyes looking me up and down. I shrunk away from her gaze self-consciously. Bloss, her face was full of sympathy, and if I was being honest, pity. You look terrible. I scowled, practically massacring the last bit of pancake on my plate with my fork. I knew I did. She didn't have to tell me that. Really, you do, Buttercup chimed in, nodding a little too eagerly for my liking. I clenched my teeth. I was beginning to regret coming out of my room. Well, sorry. I paused, taking a drink of my orange juice. It helped the sound of my voice a little, but not by much. What am I supposed to do about it? Besides, it's not like I had a reason to care about my appearance anymore. Since the princess incident, and the escalation at school afterwards, I stayed in my room now, and that's it. So why bother? Bubbles reached her hand over to touch mine. Her tanned, slim, French manicured fingers made mine look like pale sausages. The difference was almost appalling. Blossom, she said slowly, like she was explaining something to a toddler. Me and Buttercup are going to take you to the mall. No. The mall. Where more people could see me and be disgusted. I opened my mouth to protest further, but she put a slender, tanned finger in my face. We're going to give you a makeover. Buttercup finished for her, using the same slow tone. I stared at her. Had Buttercup always cared this much about shopping? A few months and it's like I don't even know my own sisters anymore. No, you're not. Besides, I don't have the money for that. I blurted, searching for an excuse to stay here. Anything, anything at all. It's our treat. We'll pay for everything, Bubbles answered immediately. From the way she'd had the answer ready, evidently, they had been planning to do this for a while now. Perhaps if I hadn't come out of my room on my own, they would have broken in and taken me forcibly. Besides, she continued, 
do you really expect us to let you start the new school year the way you look right now? I cringed, remembering. We started school in a week, and this school year we will be juniors. I groaned aloud. I didn't think so, Bubbles gave me a smug look. So, start getting ready after you're done eating. After she said this, she and Buttercup eyed the last chunks of pancake in front of me. I stared at it too, panicking. My eyes flashed to the platter of pancakes in the middle of the table, and grabbing my fork, I stabbed as many pancakes as I could and threw them onto my plate. Pouring more syrup on top of the mountain, I glanced up at Bubbles' dry expression. Unbelievable, Buttercup said to me, mirroring Bubbles' expression. What? I mumbled innocently. I'm really hungry. That wasn't a complete lie. I actually hadn't realized how hungry I really was until I started eating. My stomach churned violently, begging for more, and I had forgotten that I had skipped all three meals yesterday. Well, not only yesterday, but sometimes every other day lately. Not on purpose, I just, didn't have a large appetite these days. Except for today, I guess. My sisters got up from the table, rolling their eyes in sync. I shrugged and proceeded to scoop pancakes into my watering mouth, and Professor still sat across the table from me, rubbing his temples and probably wondering why he didn't create boys. Guys, slow down. I cried. I regretted having so many pancakes in such a short time, and my whole body felt weighed down and sluggish as we flew to the Townsville Mall. I also wasn't used to flying anymore. The crime rate had slowed from slim to none lately. We suspected that Mojo had gone somewhere, and he'd been gone for months. With him gone, the rest of crime sort of came to a standstill. So I hadn't been using my powers as much. Plus, after the princess situation a few months ago, I stopped going out in public. That's how it had been the entire summer, I spent days locked in my room, sleeping. Only sometimes during the night would I let myself leave my bedroom, when there was no one around to see me and talk to me and ask what was wrong with me. I didn't want to talk or be looked at like some freak. It had become safe there, quiet. Filled with only the books and music that I liked. No embarrassment. No people that don't understand. No pain. And now I was really really regretting coming out of there. Speed up, Pinky. Buttercup shouted at me over her shoulder. I struggled to accelerate, my eyes watering from the wind. Bubbles flew beside Buttercup, and the two exchanged a look as she shook her head. I still can't believe we're taking you out in public looking like this, she remarked at me over her shoulder. Ouch. I mean really, ow. That hurt. I blustered, hey, shut up. You guys are family. You're supposed to love me no matter what, remember? Bubbles turned her head momentarily to give me a genuine smile. Of course we love you, Bloss, she said in a gentle tone. We always will. She paused, raising an eyebrow. But would it have killed you to brush your hair? I shrugged, playing with a chunk of the red mass between my fingers. Before we left, I had tried to brush it. But at the bottom, it was so tangled that the bristles wouldn't go through the strands at all. And good lord, look at how long it is. Buttercup chimed in again. How do you walk with that motherfucker on your head? Buttercup.
Bubbles cut at her, giving her a glare. Be nice. Buttercup half shrugged. Just saying. She was right, though. I glanced back at my hair, flowing slightly past my calves, almost to my ankles. I didn't put it up in a ponytail anymore, and I hadn't gotten a haircut in who knows how long. I hadn't realized that we had arrived at the mall until my sisters dropped from my line of vision, floating to the ground below. I followed, my hair flowing above me like a parachute. As soon as I landed, Buttercup turned to me quietly and held out a pair of shiny black aviators in her hand, offering me a small smile. I took them gratefully and hoped they would help disguise me even a little bit. We walked to the front doors in silence, and greeting us on the other side was the loud, crowded food court, bustling with teenagers. It reminded me of our high school, and I suddenly felt like running. Almost everyone turned their attention to us, and my stomach dropped to my feet. But when I looked at their faces, they seemed to only be looking at my sisters. Even while I was relieved, I couldn't help but feel a bit inadequate. My sisters were, after all, gorgeous. Even more than I remembered. Bubbles was wearing a faded, frayed Hollister skirt, her slim legs glowing tan. Her navy blue and white two baby doll top stood out beautifully against her skin tone, and her gleaming, straightened blonde hair fell flawlessly and layered to her ribcage. The dark blue of her shirt made her eyes stand out even more. Black eyeliner framed her eyes, and her eyelashes somehow seemed longer. Buttercup had changed her look a little bit over the summer. Currently she wore acid wash, super tight, black skinny jeans, making her legs look even more slender and long. She wasn't as tan as Bubbles, but her skin still held the glow of a summer spent outdoors and stood out against the black tube top she wore. The tube top had the print of a skeleton, ribs and spinal cord on it, and in the ribcage was the fictional shape of a heart, and it was green. Her hair had also grown longer over the summer, and it now fell past her shoulders, but the top of it was cut into choppy layers, which gave her hair an overall heart shape. It was glossy black and straightened as well. Side bangs were clipped across her forehead, no skin peeking through it at all. Her eye makeup was still heavy and black in true buttercup fashion. They must have put more effort than I did to get ready. I looked down shamefully at my two loose jeans and plain white tank top that washed out against my pale, sun-deprived skin. My sisters took my hands and dragged me through the crowd. As we walked through, I could hear whistles and shouts coming from guys all around us, and I hung my head, knowing very well who they were directed at. Bubbles tried to cover her embarrassed giggles with her free hand, and Buttercup just rolled her eyes in disgust. As we kept walking, less people started noticing us or should I say, them. Though, every once in a while I would see a group of teenage boys gawking at them. However, my sisters paid no mind. As I watched them, I noticed something. They really had changed. Not just physically, but in different ways. Bubbles had been acting really cheerful all morning. Not just like she had always been, but more. Almost too cheerful, like something was wrong and she was trying to hide it. And Buttercup. She had been, quieter this morning. Not only this morning, but when I spent days in my room, I never heard her yelling or breaking something from outside my door. Hadn't the professor noticed? Was I the only one? Then I thought back to our sisterly meeting forever ago. I furrowed my brow.
It couldn't be, but maybe I wasn't the only one having a bad time. Had they been suffering as much as I had been? Okay, Bubbles said suddenly. I snapped my head up, and I didn't realize I had started to cry until the movement sent tears ricocheting off of my face. First stop, Abercrombie. She had already started dragging me towards the store, a wide grin on her face. Suddenly, Buttercup tugged on my other arm, jerking me towards her in the opposite direction. I don't think so, she said with raised eyebrows. She jerked me again. First stop, Urban Outfitters. No, Bubbles paused to pull me towards her with more force. Hollister. No, Buttercup pulled me harder. Hot topic. No. Bubbles shouted this time, yanking me. I was starting to feel dizzy. American Eagle. Girls, hey. Ow. I cried as the tug-of-war game continued, my arms throbbing. This was going to be a long mall trip. My breath hitched in my throat. I don't know, guys. I sat in a hairstylist's chair, staring at that red-haired girl in the mirror again. The stylist behind me had my hair bundled in one hand, the other hand on her hip. She had choppy, short pink hair and a warm smile on her smile, the ring in her nose lifting slightly. Blossom, you need to do this. Here. Now. It's time. Buttercup came to my left side, grasping my shoulder for emphasis on her next words. Or I'll do it myself. She made a scissor motion with two fingers threateningly. My eyes widened. Besides, Bubbles came to my other side attempting to brush the extra hair out of my face. It's not going to be that short. She turned to the stylist. Right, Cat? Definitely, the girl named Cat said. She winked at me. Don't worry, sweetie. I know you like it long. We're just going to make it manageable. She had a thick. Southern English accent, and it actually calmed me down a bit. I nodded slowly, and Kat pulled out a hair tie. She slowly made a loose ponytail, letting the hair tie down to my elbow. How's that? She paused to let me reply with a small whimper. I'm just gonna lob the whole ponytail off at one go, so we can get over it quickly, alright? I'm doing it now. I nodded and clamped my eyes shut. I didn't want to watch. I felt a small tugging at my hair, but that was it. It's over, lovely. Kat said comfortingly, and I slowly and hesitantly opened my eyes. She dangled the yard-long ponytail in front of me, and my jaw dropped. Aha. Bubbles' tone was sing-sanji, and I scowled. I then looked at the length of hair again, and let out a sad sigh. Bye, hair. I said glumly, and the trio around me chuckled. Does your head feel lighter, Bloss? Buttercup teased, squeezing my shoulder. I knew she wasn't serious, but I tilted my head from side to side, marveling at how it felt. Actually, it does. The trio laughed again, and then Kat suddenly spun me around in the swivel chair. Let's finish this up. Her smile grew eager, reaching towards me with the scissors and a small comb. I braced myself, nervous for the outcome. While she worked, I glanced at my sisters, who were currently arguing about whether Buttercup's makeup was too heavy or not. I didn't realize I was smiling. 
Not a big one, but still, a smile. I didn't remember how long it had been since I had smiled. This summer has been a torturous one. Lonely. I'd locked myself in my room, day after day, wallowing. I'd forgotten what I was missing in the outside world. There were so many things I missed. Today had been so much fun, and now I realized I needed it. I needed to leave my room, I needed to see my sisters again, to be with them, to be surrounded by their love. And now I also realized that it was time to move on. More than just my embarrassment and fear of everyone else, I couldn't spend the rest of my life crying over, him. Of course, I couldn't say his name anymore. It hurt too much. But I couldn't let him ruin my life. I couldn't let anybody ruin my life. I needed to be me again. I swallowed, the tears at the back of my eyes threatening to come out. I grit my teeth together. No. I wasn't going to cry. Not anymore. There you go, that's my girl. The familiar, long-lost voice of my conscience returned, echoing strong in my mind in a newfound, loud volume. Welcome back, Blossom. Chapter 11, Almost Like Brand New Oh God! I swallowed hard against the lump rising higher and higher in my throat. My stomach churned more and more with dread as we flew closer to that cursed building. The building I had been preparing myself to go to for an entire week. Townsville High School. Oh God, oh God, oh God. However, it's not like I wasn't prepared at least appearance-wise. The makeover my sisters had treated me to a week earlier had fixed all of my doubts about that. Flashback, a week ago. The same second I stepped out of the dressing room, a shrill squeal filled the entire store. The sound ricocheted off of every wall, making all heads turn our direction. Oh my, good. Bubbles screamed excitedly, jumping up and down and clapping her hands like a hyperactive seven-year-old. Blossom. You look incredible. I must have blushed nine shades of red, watching every customer gawking at me. I wasn't sure what the states meant, but they were seriously making me uncomfortable. Earlier today, nobody paid any attention to me. I was invisible. Now, everyone was looking at me. I even took a quick glance out the front door of the store, and people had stopped walking by and were looking inside, gaping at me. Buttercup, who was walking back from the direction of Hot Topic, was one of them. I glanced back at Bubbles again, who was now standing in front of me, staring and covering her mouth with both hands. She looked like she was on the brink of tears. Ah really? I said finally, and it sounded weird to break the stunned silence. Oh my god, are you kidding me? She snatched my hand. You have to see yourself. Come on. She dragged me over to the three-way mirror on the nearest wall, and I had trouble keeping up with her in the six-inch high heels she had shoved on my feet. See, myself? Would it really be me in the mirror this time? Because I wasn't sure if I even knew who I was these days. I tried to tug my arm back from Bubble's grasp. Blossom, my conscience spoke up. You have got to give your sisters more credit than that. My stomach churned guiltily, and I tentatively let Bubbles drag me the rest of the way. I was so nervous. Really, truly nervous. I didn't think there was any help for me, the way I looked. Could they have really made me look?
Okay, open your eyes. I heard Bubbles say impatiently. I hadn't even realized I had my eyes squeezed shut. I, I don't know Budash. Come on, Blossom, you need to trust me on this. Just open your eyes. Her tone was even more impatient now, and so I cautiously and slowly opened my eyes. The girl standing before me had another somewhat unfamiliar face. I had not seen her before, but somehow she looked the tiniest bit familiar. Her luminous natural red hair fell to her elbows in length, twisting in voluminous, layered waves. Soft, straight across bangs covered her forehead, and closer layers fell to her chin and collarbone, framing her stunning face. Her eyes were a shocking bright pink, and thick, long, dark eyelashes framed them. Her lips were full, and they shined a glossy, innocent light pink. Her cheeks seemed to be faintly stained pink as well. She wore a fuchsia baby doll tube top that fell in fancy ruffles to her hips, and a wide white ribbon was tied across her ribcage area. The color stood out against her creamy, fair skin, and the result was dazzling. Around her neck was a giant, shiny, black glass heart on a chain, and it hung near the top of her shirt. She also wore a black mini skirt, which ended about six inches above her delicate knees. On her small feet she wore bright fuchsia high heels to match her top, and they made her calves flex. I stared at the girl incoherently, and she stared back. I blinked rapidly, and my mouth seemed to be stuck wide open. She was sinfully beautiful. I felt self. Conscious to even be standing on the same continent as her. Then my sister shook me into reality. Blossom. She jerked me back and forth, and as I continued to stare ahead at the girl, she was being jerked too. Blossom, snap out of it. Buttercup said, suddenly by my side as well. She snapped her fingers in front of my face several times, and a hand appeared in front of the girl's face as well. I tore my eyes away from her and turned to Buttercup. There was no way. T-that's. I pointed at the mirror. T-t-that's. Buttercup smirked back at me, nodding her head. Yes, she said slowly. She brought her hand to squeeze my chin and she twisted my face towards the mirror again. See? I stared at the reflection again. I couldn't believe it. That girl was me. Look at how beautiful you are. My conscience encouraged me enthusiastically in the back of my mind. Didn't I tell you? I just couldn't believe it. I never believed I could look like, this. I never really had confidence issues before this, but I still never thought. Ah, Bloss. Darling, don't cry. My blue-eyed sister interrupted my thoughts again. Even as she told me this, though, tears ran down her face. You'll ruin your makeup. I didn't realize I was crying, but it was okay. This reaction had become my best friend over the past few months, so it wasn't like it was foreign to me. However, these tears felt different, tears I hadn't cried in an unbelievably long time. They were happy tears. End flashback. Today, I was wearing the same outfit that I had gotten that day, so obviously, that wasn't the part one was most nervous about. The thing I was nervous about was the people. Those judgmental, mean, spiteful people. During the end of my sophomore year before this summer, life was living hell.
After the whole princess thing on that terrible day, she apparently hadn't had enough of my misery. At school, she escalated everything further. People were already more cautious of me to begin with, and she very cruelly decided to make it worse. While I was in my most sensitive, fragile state, she started spreading rumors about why I had attacked her, and why I had become so quiet and withdrawn at school. The ridiculous rumors varied from killing more people like I, had almost killed her, to even more ridiculous school assassination plans. Despite the fact that everyone had grown up around me, and that they had always hated Princess, they believed her. That's probably the part that killed me the most, they would rather believe anything the princess said than trust me. Since then, her already huge popularity skyrocketed. She became queen of the school, some sort of legendary figure for surviving a Powerpuff Girl attack. Meanwhile my sisters and I became the outcasts, the unwanted freaks. But my sisters stood by me the entire time, even though they lost all of their friends in the process. This morning, as I chatted with Bubbles over breakfast as Buttercup brooded in her own thoughts, she assured me that this year we would gain back those friends we lost, and then some. I was still pretty angry over what had happened, but even so, I wished that I could have friends again. Part of me. Hoped that she was right, and I hoped that maybe by now people had forgotten everything that had happened. Not again, I groaned mentally. My sisters and I stood at the front entrance of the school, and we found ourselves being stared at again. People had stopped in the middle of their conversations, even turned completely around to see us. They froze where they were, as if they were afraid to move. Some whispered to ones that were close to them, others just gawked. People had started looking at me again, and I still wasn't used to it. It was unnerving, and it made my stomach flutter with anxiousness. Especially considering where we were, and what I'd gone through the last time we were here. I sighed. What was the deal? Has the princess said something again? More rumors or something? We started to make our way to the wing where our lockers were, with me in the front this time. As we walked through, suddenly, I wasn't as nervous as I felt before. I couldn't put my finger on why, but I was beginning to feel a bit self-assured that things maybe wouldn't be that bad. The further we went, the more confident my strides became. As we went through the first long hallway, people's gazes continued to follow us. Others scrambled to get out of our way. What did the princess say this time? I wondered, rolling my eyes. Whatever it was, it must have been pretty bad. Finally, we reached the hallway where our lockers were and we set our bags down in front of them. As soon as we started to set up some of our belongings in them, we were greeted by an enthusiastic voice. Well, I guess I was first. OMG, Blossom. I turned, and there I saw some vaguely unfamiliar faces. One girl had waist-length jet black hair, the second had auburn hair in a pin-neat ponytail down to her shoulders, and the last had curly dark brown hair cut short to her chin. I wasn't sure how to react, so I smiled weakly. Hey. I tried to sound convincing, but I guess I didn't because the three girls I didn't know giggled at me incredulously. You don't recognize us. The end of school wasn't that long ago. The girl with black hair jokes, and she paused for my reaction, but I just stared at her. It's me, Crystal, remember? And Amy. The girl with curly dark hair chimed in. She had a high childlike voice, 
and her round brown eyes sparkled when she spoke. And Victoria, the girl with the ponytail said, a lot quieter than Amy had. I noticed she had rectangle-shaped black-rimmed glasses. Glasses? Victoria, 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 Amy, Crystal. Click. Whoa. I blurted suddenly, startling Victoria. I held my arms for a hug. Guys. Hi. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. They met me in a giant group hug. These girls had been some of my close friends last school year, up until the incident. What had happened after that? My memory was so clouded with all the sadness and the loneliness of my summer. I knew for sure that they had never called me over the summer, but as for what had actually happened between us, I didn't really remember. We are so sorry for ditching you, Blossom. Amy broke from the hug to look at me, and suddenly her eyes were brimmed with tears. I don't know what we were thinking. It was so mean of us. We're so sorry. Yeah, I can't believe we did that. So horrible. Victoria said in her quieter tone, breaking from the hug. We wanted to apologize to you over the summer, but you never answered our calls. Oops. We want you back. Will you forgive us, Bloss? Crystal was the last one to break the hug, and she looked genuinely sorry as well. Whatever they'd done or said exactly, I couldn't remember, but they seemed to be really regretful. I had some great memories with these girls otherwise, and if I had lost the chance to have some friends again for this school year, I would feel, sad. And besides, here they were, apologizing to me openly and admitting they did me wrong. Couldn't I forgive them? I looked over to my sisters for their reaction, and their faces seemed wary, especially buttercups, but after glancing at each other and exchanging some whispers, they nodded at me. I turned back to my former friends, and I smiled at them. Of course, I love you guys. Let's be friends again. All three faces brightened tremendously when I said this, and I got squished in a group hug again. Oh, Blossom. Amy exclaimed, burying her face in my shoulder. It sounded like she was crying. We love you too. I patted her head awkwardly. I had forgotten how excitable she was. Cute, though. My conscience said. We broke the hug, and Victoria asked me in her small voice, What class do you have first, Blossom? She straightened her glasses. Um, I paused, digging through my white hobo bag for my schedule. I found it, and it was folded about six times for some reason. Nerves must have really gotten to me earlier that morning. Science with Mr. Nelson. Oh. It was sort of funny how even though the interjection was an exciting one, she didn't seem very excited when she said it. Mentally, I reminded myself that. She was very shy. After she said this, she paused and seemed to collect herself, her face flushing slightly. I have that too. I smiled at her. Awesome. We should sit together. She seemed shocked that I even said such a thing, then her look of shock turned into mild excitement. Okay. She agreed. But the end of her agreement was overshadowed by another familiar, whiny voice. Well, well. Look who decided to show her face here again. Guess she finally left her house. Three snooty giggles chorused. 
probably her usual entourage. I'm surprised you haven't moved to Citysville by now. I took a deep breath and exhaled slowly, then turned to face the owner of that dreadful voice. Her red hair had new blonde highlights in it, but other than that, she looked exactly the same, scandalous wardrobe and all. She narrowed her eyes at me, black and beady. Like a rat. I looked at her evenly. I don't plan on moving anywhere, princess. I paused to sneer at her. She sneered back. Now, what do you want? Whatever. I just wanted to come and tell you that just because you're suddenly half presentable, doesn't mean you're going to be Miss Popular again. She paused to look me up and down with a disgusted curl of her collagen-enhanced lips. Everyone at this school hates you and your bitches of sisters. Never forget that. And with a flip of her overly processed hair, she strutted off with three girls behind her, who also glared at me. Immediately, Crystal was in front of me again. Don't listen to her, Blossom. She looked enraged, maybe even more than I was. Her entire face was red, and she was trembling. She's just jealous because you and your sisters are a hundred times more beautiful than she is. Than she could ever be. Even with all the plastic surgery her dad buys her. Her voice had gone through several. Octaves, and people were staring. Amy tried to calm her down by pinching her shoulder muscles. Victoria whispered to her, Crystal, calm. Breathe. Crystal huffed in response. Her angry response surprised me, but it was also reassuring to me. I wouldn't have to regret forgiving them after all. They were definitely on our side. Bubbles laid a reassuring hand on Crystal's shoulder. Don't worry about it too much. She's been out to get us for years, so now it won't make much of a difference anyway. She smiled brightly at her, and Crystal seemed to calm down a little at her words. She smiled back. The warning bell rang. Buttercup, who had been watching this whole exchange with an annoyed look on her face, roared, Oh, shit. She sprinted the opposite direction we stood. See you at lunch. Bubbles shouted after her with an irritated tone. Um, Victoria's murmur was so quiet, I didn't hear her until she repeated herself a little louder. I turned to face her. She jumped at my sudden movement. I think we should probably start walking to science now. I glanced around the hallway, and it was nearly empty. I laughed at myself for being so oblivious. Right, right. Sorry. She nodded her head quickly in response, and started walking at a quick pace towards the south stairwell. I started after her, and I had to lengthen my strides to catch up with her. For a human girl who was a little shorter than me, she sure could walk fast. Okay, bye. Bubbles called after me this time, irritation clearly in her voice now. I grinned at her over my shoulder in apology and she and Crystal waved at me as they headed to their first period class. Okay, people. As you all know, I'm Mr. Nelson, because it says that on your schedules. And I won't write my name on the board like in elementary school, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Low chuckles filled the room, and the tension that consumes the first few days of school eased at least a little bit. I always liked sarcastic teachers. I think I'll like this class, I thought to myself. Mr. Nelson seemed like he was in his mid-thirties, and brown, 
skeptical yet comically bushy eyebrows arched above his green eyes. A wide, excited-looking smile rested on his face. All right now, since I'm required to, let's take the role first. I didn't really bother listening to the voices throughout the room saying, here, or, present, or even just a grunt of acknowledgement, because just a few names in, I tuned it out, knowing I would be dead last anyway. I glanced around the room, and there were at least two dozen giant plants in various places around the room. It very much suited the subject we were going to be learning. Over by Mr. Nelson's desk, there were various versions of Coca-Cola bottles, including the ones that they release over the holidays. Over on the edge of his desk, there was a half-drunken Coke by a new unopened one. I glanced over at him again, and it seemed like his eyebrows raised higher with every name. I mentally chuckled. Blossom Utonium. I snapped back to attention. Here, I responded in a clear tone, and some people turned their heads to look at me. Their faces looked like something between shock and confusion. Ah, Miss Utonium. I've heard a lot about you. He paused to grin at me. I cringed when he said that, but I looked at his expression, and it wasn't one of pity. He looked at me respectfully. I'm glad to have you in my class. I was so abashed that I didn't know what to say, so I just smiled in return. He paused again, straightened the silver wire rim glasses he wore, and looked down at his list again. Hmm. Well, I was told that in this class we would have a student that was new to the school this year. He looked up from the paper and scanned the room. Anybody new? Everyone looked around the room as well, but nobody raised their hand or spoke up. Hmm, interesting. Oh well, maybe they'll show up tomorrow. So, he slammed the papers on the front podium and gripped the edges of it. The overly excited smile appeared again. Let's get to talking about earth science. Blossom, over here. I squinted my eyes to look through the vast hordes of teenagers sitting at tables to find where my sister's voices came from. Eventually, I saw Bubble standing up on her chair, flailing her arms at me. The chair didn't help much though, because she's pretty short. I made my way towards her, and it was like parting the Red Sea again. I tried to ignore it the best I could. As I neared closer, my eyes widened in shock. There had to be at least twelve people sitting at our table. I set my purse down on the table and sat between Bubbles and Buttercup. Hey, guys. I greeted, and I got a mix of, hey, blossoms and smiles in return. I saw. A much calmer Crystal, Amy, and Victoria, but who was everyone else? I leaned over to my green-eyed sister and nudged her, trying to be subtle. Who are these people? I whispered. I have no idea who these people are, she replied, but she didn't bother to say it in a whispered tone. Kind of shouted, actually. Well, the entire table was silent anyway. They just came over and sat down. Oh, excuse us. A boy with short platinum hair spoke up. He stuck his hand out towards us. I didn't think you would remember us. We weren't that well acquainted last year. I'm Stephen. He pointed to everyone else that we didn't know at the table and introduced them to us, but I turned out the names he told us. All I was focused on was remembering him. Stephen, Stephen. His name sounded familiar. He looked familiar, too. 
His sweater vest was bright purple and neon green, and he had slight fuzz on his chin, but it looked neither sloppy nor manboyish. It suited his face. I was the first one to shake Stephen's hand, and then Bubbles shook his hand after I let it go. Buttercup just scowled at his hand, and he brought it back to his side awkwardly. After clearing his throat, he continued. I would like to apologize on the behalf of all my friends here for our behavior last year, he shook his head, ashamed. It was inexcusable, Blossom. Nobody deserves to be treated that way. His friends nodded in agreement, in unison. I heard Buttercup sigh, and I looked over in time to see her eyes roll. Obviously, she was not a big fan of Stephen. I glanced back at Stephen again, and put on the best smile I could. Of course I'll forgive you. I just wanted to leave the past behind me. I still didn't remember Stephen, but that didn't matter now. New year, new start, right? He seemed delighted with my response, and his cheeks flushed slightly. A awesome. Cool. Ha ha. He stuttered, and he suddenly became more interested in eating his sub sandwich. I suddenly realized I was hungry. I excused myself from the table and took my purse with me. I found a vending machine on the east wall of the cafeteria, by a window. My eyes found that there wasn't much outside that window, just some shrubs and some benches for those who like to eat outside. I turned my attention back to the vending machine, but just as I averted my gaze, I thought I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Something red. I quickly looked back, my heart beating irregularly. I even walked closer to the glass barrier. Nothing. But I saw the street better from this angle, and I figured it must have been someone driving their bright red, shiny car back to the campus. And thinking back, I had seen one in the parking lot earlier that day. I shook my head. Phew. I must really have been hungry, being paranoid like that. That scare had put a damper on my appetite, though. I put a dollar into the dollar slot and decided that a bag of chips would satisfy me for now. Well, Buttercup said as she kicked her locker open. That was an interesting day. I snorted, understatement. Bubbles chuckled. Compared to the end of last year, though, not that bad. She shoved a book into her backpack. I'll take interest over misery any time. God yes, I said, chuckling with her. I grunted as I struggled to get my earth science and calculus book into my oversized hobo bag. All of my teachers had told us to have our books covered by the next day, and my earth science end. Calculus books now rested with my Spanish 5 and American government books. As I lifted the packed bag strapped to my shoulder, the lining fabric store, and I mentally reminded myself to bring a book bag next time. Yeah, I agreed. Definitely not as bad as last year. As we flew home, we discussed the events of the day, as well as the people, and came to the conclusion that things were definitely going to be interesting this year. We didn't know how right we really were, though. I hate this. I hate this so much. It's been 150 days. 150 days since I've held her. 150 days since I've kissed her. 150 days since I've smelled her intoxicating scent. My entire being yearns for her. 150 goddamn days. I saw her today.
Just a glance, but I saw her. You would have thought I'd never seen her before, the way my body reacted. I thought I was going to keel over. I had to leave, I just need one more day to prepare for this. She is so beautiful, it kills me. 150 days felt like an entire lifetime to me. But, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's coming, and it doesn't matter if I like it or not. Chapter 12, Scars Remain Baby blue with lace. No, navy blue with stripes. No. Lagoon blue with ruffles. I continued my mental battle, holding up numerous tops to myself in my vanity mirror. I had already curled my light blonde hair into soft, wispy curls, and I stayed true to my usual mascara and light eyeliner. I also rubbed some self-tanner onto my skin, but not too much. Orange skin was tacky. I finally decided on the baby blue scoop neck top with white lace on the stitching, and put it on along with a white ruffled mini skirt. For shoes, I decided that my pale blue flip-flops would look cute enough. For the past four months, my days have usually gone like this. Wake up, shower, get dressed, and have breakfast. One action to the next, carrying me to the end of my day, and the cycle began again the next day. These days, life seemed kind of, dull. And everything I did just felt forced. About five months ago, I experienced the best day of my life. After that day, though, it was the worst five months of my life. Five months ago, the boy that I was in love with told me that he had fallen in love with me. We spent the night together, talking, holding each other. It felt right. It felt real. It felt like true love. I hadn't even wrapped my head around it that night, and I had been waiting for that moment ever since I met him. Before I knew it, he was gone. My love left me, and he never came back. When he told me he loved me and we kissed afterwards, that exact moment, he became a permanent part of me. And part of me became his. No, not just a part. He had all of me. And the moment he left, it's like part of my soul went with him, tearing from me, leaving jagged edges. I never talked to my sisters about it. I don't think they even noticed. I just forced a smile on my face and feigned happiness. Happiness I could never have again. I couldn't burden my sisters with my depressing thoughts. They were probably hurting as much as I had been, and if not Buttercup, then at least Blossom. I needed to be there for them, to be strong for them. I needed to be the sunshine in their life, as I always had been before. With Blossom more in the picture again, though, things had seemed at least a bit brighter lately. Seeing her around again helped me, in a way. Those days she'd locked herself away in her bedroom were some of the loneliest days I'd ever had. I'd had Buttercup, of course, but she had seemed so unaffected by what had happened that it made me feel totally lousy. The unemotional way that Buttercup dealt with things made me want to toughen up, too, and to not be such a crybaby. I'd managed to keep it up, but I didn't know how much longer I could keep it all inside. Bubbles. Come help me with breakfast. Professor's voice called to me from down the hallway, snapping me out of my thoughts. Coming, Professor. I replied. I looked back at myself in the mirror and groaned in dissatisfaction when I found that some of my eye makeup had run when a few tears had escaped my eyes. 
Stealing up again, I swiped at the black marks under my eyes with my fingertips, flipped my hair, and I took off downstairs. This looks delicious, Bubbles. Professor praised, eyeing my famous eggs Benedict in amazement. You haven't made this in a while. Your sisters will be. Ecstatic. He gave me a small side hug and smiled down at me. What's the occasion? I shrugged and smiled back. Nothing special, I just thought it would make their day. Professor sat back in his kitchen chair and unfolded the newspaper. Oh, honey. You're such a sweetheart. You take care of your sisters so well. I chuckled a little and started fixing myself a cup of coffee. I will try. For the rest of breakfast, I tried to keep my spirits up. But yet again, my smile was forced. I silently hoped that no one would notice. As I entered the auditorium for the first hour, some of the people that were already there turned to look at me. Some of them murmured to their friends, and I wondered when this kind of stuff would stop. Probably never, at least as long as Princess was there. When I went to set my book bag down by the stage, I spotted Crystal and I suddenly remembered that she was in drama class too. She was making her way towards me. While she was, I happened to notice her particular style that day as well. She had on a bright red Hollister zip-up hoodie with a black camisole underneath, making her tan skin pop against it. She also wore dark blue skinny jeans and slouchy black boots. On her neck she had on a plastic, oversized, red pearl necklace. I very much approved. Bubbles. She greeted me and held her arms out for a hug. I hugged her for a few seconds, then pulled back. Hey, I returned her grin. You look cute today. She half rolled her eyes, half chuckled nervously. Oh, please. I look like a hobo next to you. This time, I was the one to roll my eyes. Oh okay, class. Time to start. The drama director practically sang as she danced into the room, her black curls bouncing around her face. Another fabulous day of drama is about to begin. Ms. Danica was our eccentric teacher. She was young, very interesting, and she seemed to wear something more and more unique every day. Today, she graced a bright pink tutu over her acid wash pants, and her hair was up in a curly, dark ponytail on top of her head. She kind of reminded me of a kindergarten teacher, but she wasn't at all like Mrs. Keene was. Sit down, class, sit down. She said in her sing-song voice, waving her hand at the stage. We all assumed that meant that we should sit down on the edge of the stage, so we all did as such. Okay, okay, roll time. Crystal leaned over to whisper, she is so weird. She shook her head at her. I giggled quietly in response. Ms. Danica called out the first name on the list. Mr. Apleggett. Well, I sang. Here. While the others' names were called, me and Crystal continued to talk about girl stuff, naturally. How did you get your hair so soft looking like that? Crystal asked me, reaching a hand over to touch my curls. Feeling flattered that the hard work I'd put into my hair was being recognized, I grinned as I replied, after I curl it, I shake my head upside down so the strands blend together, and then I use Dove hairspray, because it doesn't make my curls all crunchy dash. Julie Smith. 
Ms. Danica called out, interrupting me. Here, Crystal replied grudgingly, flinching at the use of her real name. I go by my middle name, though. Understanding flashed across our teacher's face, and she nodded. Right, right. Gotcha. My bad. I had always tended to forget who Crystal used to be to us. Crystal's family had been out to destroy ours ever since we had to put Harold Smith her dad in jail for almost killing Professor. The rest of the Smith family still despised us, but Crystal had realized that the whole family of villains thing was stupid and called a truce with us. Her family had grudgingly agreed to it, but just in case, me and my sister still never go over to her house. Last year, before all the drama had happened, she came over to our house a lot instead. After calling the truce and renouncing her villain life, Crystal wanted to be a whole new person, therefore going by her middle name. In addition to that, over time, she lost her childhood weight, and her voice went down to natural registers with age. And she had dyed her hair so many colors, I forgot what she had looked like with natural blonde hair. That explained why Blossom hadn't recognized her at first, last year she'd had red hair that reminded me of Princess. After the whole princess thing with Blossom, it's like the whole school idolized her. Every girl wanted to be like her, like she was some legend or something. In fact, there were so many redheads at school last year, I'm surprised the local hair salons didn't run out of red dye. Our entire school looked like some sort of princess-worshipping cult. Ever since yesterday morning, Crystal, Amy and Victoria had apologized to us seven more times. They really did feel bad, but what I wondered was why they joined princesses following in the first place. I couldn't help but still feel a little distrustful of them because of that, and I knew I wasn't the only one. Early that morning, I'd caught Buttercup glaring at Crystal when she wasn't looking. It would probably take her the longest to warm up to them again. Ms. Danica's voice interrupted my thoughts again. Bubbles Utonium. Here. I replied with a grin. She returned my smile and put down her checklist. So, class. It seems that the new student that never showed up yesterday actually showed up today. The class stirred at this, everyone curious about who it could be. I hope it's a boy. Crystal murmured to me excitedly. I pretended to agree, and I smiled wistfully. I wished I could have been excited too, but I couldn't be. No other boy would ever do it for me. Ms. Danica continued, I just got the message from the front office, so he should be here momentarily. She paused smugly at the small growth of excitement from the girls in our class at the word, he. In the meantime, let's do our relaxation exercises in preparation for our practice scenes today. Split up into partners. Crystal and I linked arms and walked over to the floor by the west side of the stage. As we stretched and shook our arms and legs to relax, we continued our conversation from earlier. Less than five minutes later, the conversation was completely different. Even though I still couldn't fully trust her, I had to admit that talking to Crystal was really easy. We had so much in common that it was effortless. Are you trying out for cheerleading? Princess isn't doing it this year. Crystal said. I raised my eyebrows at her with real interest. Seriously? Yeah. Don't you remember during one of last year's basketball games when she broke her nose? She had to get more plastic surgery on it over the summer. 
I stifled a laugh. Oh my god, no way. I don't know, I might actually dash. Ms. Danica interrupted me once again when she clapped her hands together quite loudly. We all quickly learned yesterday that that's what she does when she wants our attention. Crystal leaned to look around me, and I continued facing the opposite direction. Our teacher announced, class, class. Our new student is here. Girls' gasps filled the room, and I glanced up at Crystal's expression. Her eyes were wide, staring in Ms. Danica's direction, but her jaw was dropped. He must have been some looker. I rolled my eyes and shook my head. I had no interest in joining them. Bubbles. Crystal said to me, urgency in her voice. Oh my god, Bubbles. Look. Why? I sighed. You have to look. She was still staring. Okay, okay, hold on. I grunted as I arranged my legs out of the split position that I'd been stretching in, and I moved to stand up, still facing Crystal. I looked at Crystal again, and she was still on the ground. It was like she was so awestruck that she was frozen to the floor. I sighed as I turned around half-heartedly. I thought, okay, then. Let's take a look at the stunner. When I spun around, it took me a moment for my eyes to focus to find who I was looking for. As soon as my eyes graced the figure of my searching, I froze completely. Ms. Danica had her arm around the new student, and he was tall and lean, with a shock of tousled blonde hair. The exact blonde hair of my dreams and nightmares. I suddenly couldn't feel the ground beneath my feet, and then everything was black. You're done already. I heard Victoria's small murmur beside me. I looked up from my finished worksheet. We had just gone over a quick review of what we should have learned in our science class the year before, and then Mr. Nelson had given us a worksheet for it. It was incredibly easy. Well, easy for me anyway. I finished it in four minutes, front and back. I smiled sheepishly. Yeah, I paused. Do you need help? Victoria shook her head. Oh, no, no. She chuckled nervously. I just forgot how smart you are. I felt my cheeks burst into a flush. Thank you, I said. I actually was surprised at how easy it had come to me too, it had been a while since I'd done something educational. It kind of felt good. I shouldn't have been surprised, though. After all, learning was my first love. Mr. Nelson spoke up suddenly, interrupting the quiet lull the classroom had fallen into. Hey, guys, I just got a notice from the office that the new guy is. Here. So, prepare yourselves for an awkward introduction, he'll be here in a few, probably. Unless he plays hooky again. He paused to laugh at the excited giggles of some ditzy girls in the back of the classroom. Yes, it's a boy. Whoop-de-doo. He rolled his eyes. I rolled my eyes at them too. I couldn't have cared less if the new student was a guy or not. Boys didn't matter to me anymore. Any boy would just get in the way of my future scientist career. I glanced over at Victoria again, prepared to share a dry look with her over the excitement. To my great dismay, her cheeks were bright red, standing out against her olive skin. My shoulders sagged. Victoria, not you too. 
I protested. She smiled shyly. I know, she shook her head shamefully. I couldn't help it, I'm sorry. I chuckled and mock rubbed my temples, pretending I was exasperated with her. She laughed too. Anyone done with the worksheet yet? Mr. Nelson said casually, almost skeptically. I looked around the room, and seeing that nobody raised their hands, I sighed and raised mine. Mr. Nelson looked at me blankly at first, and then shook his head in disbelief. Really? Well I'll be. He paused. Here, bring it up. Let me look over it. I walked over to his desk and handed him the paper. He adjusted his glasses and his eyes scanned over the words on the page. I took that moment to look over the bottle collection on his desk. I also happened to notice a miniature refrigerator underneath his desk. So that's where he got his endless supply of cokes. Ms. Utonium, very good job. You have everything right. He put the paper down on his desk and grinned up at me. I'll keep it here. A plus. Hearing the words, a, uh, and, plus, together awakened some newfound, familiar life in me. I beamed all the way back to my desk. I forgot the feeling it brought me to get an A on an assignment. The rush was irreplaceable, amazing. It made me feel a little at home. It reminded me of who I was before I'd turned into an empty, lifeless shell. I sat there at my desk for a while, reveling in my perfect score for a little bit longer, smiling widely to myself. My amazing mood was killed so immediately in the same five minutes, I didn't even know what hit me. The sound of the door to the classroom being opened interrupted the quiet again, and Mr. Nelson said, Hey guys, the new guy's here. I heard him get up to walk towards the door. I didn't bother to look, I was too busy doodling in my notebook and marveling over my good grade high. Immediately the class was filled with low murmurs, giggles and gasps. I did, however, glance over at Victoria nonchalantly, and I saw that her cheeks were bright red again. She also seemed to be holding her breath. I whispered a quiet reminder for her to breathe, and obediently, her lungs filled with air. Finally a little curious, I sighed and turned my head to look at the newcomer. And my joyful mood melted away. Rising to its place was a sudden horror. My teacher asked, so, what's your name? Crash. The sound of breaking glass sounded, muffling the answer. I heard everyone turn to look towards the back of the room, where it had come from. I didn't. I couldn't move. Oh oh, sorry. An airy female voice said. I barely heard it. I dropped my compact, the mirror broke. I dimly heard Mr. Nelson say, oh, that's alright, just clean it up with the broom from the closet. I still didn't turn to look. All I could focus on was him, the shattering sound made a few seconds earlier. To me, it was also the sound of the small, remaining piece of my heart being crushed. My stomach twisted violently, and I felt all the blood rush from my face. Mr. Nelson turned back to him, saying, I'm sorry, repeat your name again, son. Brick Jojo. Another violent convulsion in my stomach wrenched through me, and I clutched at it with both hands. I forced my eyes from him, blinking hard, and with the movement, I noticed they started to sting. No. My breathing became irregular, 
and I hardly noticed Victoria say, Blossom, are you alright? I didn't reply. The pain was becoming stronger, and I slumped over onto the desk. A sob was threatening to escape through my lips, so I squeezed them shut. No. I stared unseeingly ahead, and my vision blurred slightly. Through the translucent curtain, I saw Victoria standing up, watching me, her face contorted with panic. More voices. Mr. Nelson, Mr. Nelson. I think there's something wrong with Blossom. My vision blurred up more, and now I only saw shadows. Another shadow joined Victoria's. Oh boy. Victoria, get her to the nurse. Stat. I felt my temperature rising, but it wasn't because of the room around me. I squeezed my eyes shut. The noises faded away. I couldn't breathe. When I could open my eyes again, I was lying on a cot in a small, curtained space. Victoria was beside me, watching me again, worried lines on her forehead. Her eyes were wide, but she didn't speak. I saw movement in the corner of the space, and I looked to see Crystal there, too. She looked just as worried as Victoria. For a few moments, I tried to calm my breathing, and I stared ahead at the white curtain. Then I finally found my voice. Are we at the nurse's office? That couldn't have been my voice. It was too strangled. It was too detached, far away. But it was. Yes, Victoria replied softly, looking at me warily, probably waiting for me to have an episode again. I listened around, and in the space next to us, there was someone else in it. They were sound asleep. The door was closed as well. I was safe. A few moments later, I turned my head to Victoria again, and Crystal was now sitting next to her. They were both staring at me. I reached my hand out to them, and both took it simultaneously. I spoke in a voice I didn't recognize. Please, don't leave me. The searing pain surfaced again, and the nurse's office was filled with my sobs. I burst through the door to the office, huffing to catch my breath. Professor was standing there at the front desk, and it looked like he was signing us out. What's going on? What's wrong? I bellowed, panic rising in my chest. I had been called to the office, and the explanation was that I was going home. It was only the second period, so it couldn't have been a dentist appointment or something like that. There had to be something wrong. Professor turned to face me, and worry creased his face. He held his hands out in front of him. All right, now. Calm down, Buttercup. It's just that your sisters dash. What's wrong with them? I interrupted even louder, my anxiety growing. Professor continued as if I hadn't interrupted him. Blossom seems to be ill, and Bubbles fainted suddenly in her first period class. We need to take them home for analysis. My eyebrows drew together. We never got human illnesses, and they seemed to be fine this morning. What had happened? With the force of a slap, something very important occurred to me. I asked with dread in my stomach, we can't fly home. Professor's mouth formed a thin line. Not this time. We can't take any chances, we don't know their conditions. He paused and put a comforting hand on my shoulder. It didn't help. I also want to keep an eye on you, just in case. 
I gnawed on the inside of my cheek. Well, at least I got to have a day off too. I'd be more pissed if they got to go home and I didn't. But I couldn't focus on that. Whatever this was, this was serious. I sat across from Bubbles and Blossom's hospital-style beds in one of Professor's many armchairs. We were down in the basement, in the small hospital ward in his laboratory. Their heart monitors beeped fleetingly, the way our heartbeats usually sounded. The pace of our hearts usually startled everyday people, but they were just above normal human speed. We always had to explain that we weren't humans anyway, so our heartbeats wouldn't be human-like either. They were both asleep, and the professor had analyzed them. He tried his best to do it while they were sleeping, but he said that it would be much easier when they were awake. So I stayed here with them, watching them stir in their sleep and wait for whatever would happen when they would wake up. I watched their steady breathing as I quietly tapped my fingertips together. It had been at least two hours since we had gotten home, so they'd been out for a while. I looked over at the windows, and slat blinds kept the light from coming in. Only one artificial light came from one corner of the room. After one last glance at my sisters, I got up and made my way toward the window. I turned the rotational cord and let some light in. There was barely any light coming down into the window well, and for a moment I wondered why anyone would bother adding windows to a basement at all. Earlier, when we'd first gotten home, I'd looked out on our street, and nobody was out at all. Nobody walking their dogs, nobody jogging. I'd peered up at the sky, and it was completely gray. Townsville was almost always sunny. I wondered if a storm was coming soon. I turned the cords again, and a small amount of light went away. Then I opened them back up. I repeated this a few times, and then I suddenly heard stirring from one of the beds. I spun around and saw that Bubbles was looking at me with drowsy, groggy eyes. I smiled slightly and walked over to the bedside. Hey, Blondie. How are you doing? Her mouth twitched strangely, then she looked up at the ceiling. She seemed like she was working up something to tell me. I leaned closer. When I moved suddenly, her eyes twitched to me, as if she'd forgotten I was there for a moment. Then tears overflowed from her eyes, spilling onto her suddenly pale cheeks. This stunned me, I hadn't seen Bubbles cry in the longest time. I leaned closer, my hands hovering in front of me, wanting to do something about her pain, but I didn't know how. I looked back at her face, and her usually bright eyes were blank, empty. Finally, she spoke. Buttercup, they're back. What she said didn't register, and I gave her a puzzled look. What? Who? Who's back? When she replied, her voice was strained, and if possible, tortured. The rowdy rough boys are back.